You're listening to the Got Game University podcast. This podcast puts you in the classroom and lets you learn from some of the best hunters and callers in the woods. Hi, this is Taylor and Ryan with Got Game Tech. Got Game Tech is a software development company that builds mobile apps that teach hunters how to call and hunt different animals. Welcome, elk hunters, to another episode of the Elk Nut series on the Got Game University podcast. Ryan Smith and Taylor Tibbetts with you today, and joining us once again is Paul Medell, the Elk Nut. How are you doing, Paul? Hey, I'm doing good this evening. Thank you. So, Paul, what we've we've been doing a, you know, a starting every ending every episode with a question and then answering uh, that question at the start of the next podcast. Uh, let's start that again. What do you remember the question you asked on the last podcast? I do. And uh, the, the question had, well, you know, from the last one, but the question had to do with do cows bugle? And basically, if they do, why? If they don't, why not? Right, right. right. Are we going to do the same strategy and let Taylor answer this, or what are you thinking? Well, I'm thinking Taylor's probably been studying this for a whole week, and he probably wants to answer, so let's, let's, let's see what let you him. <laughs> oh, oh, no. <laughs> we, oh, we were, we've been talking about it, and... And we think we know the answer to the first part, but it'll be interesting the second part. <laughs> yeah. You know what? It's a question that you don't want to overthink. Right. Seriously. Right. So so go ahead, Taylor. So, yes, cows do bugle. I know that because we've we've got that featured on, on parts of the app, and we've we've talked about, about that and, and how those sounds are. And the second part of the question, whether it means something different from a cow than it than it does when a bull makes a bugle. I, I would definitely have to say yes, but exactly what the meaning is, I'm not totally sure. Um, <laughs> I know that they, you know, their emotion changes, and you know that there's a, you know, a separated cow sound um, that's higher in volume and intensity, and so I would think that if if a cow is making a bugle type sound, that it would be more of that nature, um, but. Uh, but I'm not sure who the, who it's directed to or, or exactly what it means. So I think I'm laying at about a 50-50 response there. <laughs> you're, you're trying to cover all the bases there. <laughs> and that's, yeah. that's smart. But all right. It's, it's really as simple as it sounds. Cows don't bugle any different than a, why the reasons a bull would. It's the same thing. They're using the same language. Mm-hmm. So it, it's like a mother and a father. If they were talking to the children, the kids, you know, is your wife, does your wife, when she talks to the, to the kids, have a different meaning than when you do? If you guys are saying the same thing. No, it means the same thing. She might exactly. sound a little, little well, you know, but <laughs> if, she, if she's bad, then, you know, right. maybe you're going to exhibit the same feelings because of the situation, you see, yeah. not yeah. just anything in general. So when cows are going to bugle, or if they want to grunt, or whatever other sound that they're going to use, it's no different than the meaning of a bull. Zero. It's the same mm-hmm. thing. Identical. So, I mean, it's just like like I said, if a, if a man was telling his child to do something, and the wife did, or girlfriend, or whatever the case may be, it's still the same words. Mm-hmm. It still has the same meaning, the same effect. It's just coming from one gender or another. And that's all cows are doing. And the reason it's important is you have to understand that during, you know, when you, when you have months outside of writing times 
And so all the cows are together. The bulls, there's a few little smaller guys lingering around. You'll see spikes and raghorns and stuff. But for the most part, the bulls are with the bulls and the cows are with the cows. So who's, 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 who's to do the communication there to keep these groups together? That's the cows. Mm-hmm. Well, see, the cows are vocalizing just like a bull would. If, if she feels that they need to get uh, closer together, if they're too far apart or scolding or whatever it is, it's no different than the bull. It's just the bull is so much more mature, just like when you hear a man's voice or over a woman's voice. You can usually tell the two, you know, the difference between the two. And so that's the that that's really what's going on because when the cows are in these migration type areas or you know winter range. Believe it or not, there's not one cow that's running the whole group because sometimes there's hundreds of them. But there's right. they're separate cow groups. They just migrate together because they're herd animals. And maybe this group has five or six cows, and maybe this one has thirty. Maybe this one has ten. Who knows? But the point is, is that they have you know like a matriarch or a century cow, lead cow that runs their little group. So when they get into these nursery groups and the young ones come in, man, it's just it's chaotic. It's like being in a schoolyard. With kids and parents around, and I mean that's all it really is. So we don't want to overthink it. So when the cows exhibit a, 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 a bugle, you see a location, or, or 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 come on over here, and she shortens it up. It's no different than a bull would do when he has the cows. The cow no longer needs to exhibit those types of bugles. The bull now takes over that uh, arena there in you know uh, late august all of september much of october so that's 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 his job it doesn't mean the the cows would never bugle again but think about it during archery seasons especially how many times do you really hear a cow bugle i mean it's uh, it would be extremely rare unless there was no bull involved at that time especially early season the cow can still be running you know the game right there for the cows that that in the group that she's in but really that's all it is the cows interesting yeah, yeah. they make no different sound than the bulls do it's the, the meanings are the same so but with the funny that, thing is they do bugle because so many people don't think they do right with that paul you've talked about uh you know when cows are trying to bring a bull to them which I mean, isn't a common thing in the woods in September. It's usually the cows go to the bull. But would you hear a cow make this sound to a bull? Or, or I mean, I've heard, you know, more aggressive kind of cow talking and stuff towards that bull. Is is that what you'd consider a bugle? Or do they actually, can they bugle in September towards a bull to try bringing them to them? Does that make sense? Yeah. And could they? Of course, they can do anything they want. But do they? You know, the odds are extremely low because generally they fall on, on, on more cow talk than that, yeah. like the contact buzz or the regathering or, you know, and, and different levels of the regathering depending on the situation and how fast the bull is or is not acting on the sound. But generally speaking, you don't hear really the cow bugle too much at those times. She okay. just doesn't have to. Right. Oh, so that makes a, sense. But that's really a good question. I never actually really thought about that that much. Would a cow bugle? Well, it's just showing him the aggression, the motion, you know. The, yeah. So. I, I, I don't do that myself, hardly. When I'm using a cow bugle early season, I would use it more in a blind or cold calling sequence, trying to convince another bull or a bull in the area that this is a cow that is without a bull. 
And and I've even talked about that on the app oh, wow. where, I, where I've, I've talked about the cold or blind calling sequence where it's the cow making those immature sounds to her small group of cows because it's unattended by a bull. And a lot of times this can suck a bull right over there because, you know, it shows there's going to be a lack of a confrontation or a possible confrontation. So, you know, there's little things like that that you do key in on depending on the time of year and, and, and what you're trying to get across. You know what? Right. What are you? What are you trying to present out there? And and that's really what it is. But no, that's a, that's a really good point about would a cow actually make that same sound? Could she? Oh, absolutely. I mean, there's nothing handcuffing her not to do that. Right. Well, cool. Taylor, did you have a question? Well, I was just going to ask ask the a question that Paul just answered there, sort of about the practical application of the cow bugle and when to use it. Um, it sounds like it's something good to know in terms of the elk language, but as a tool in the toolbox during hunting season may not necessarily be something that you, you pull out that often, except for maybe in the cold calling sequence. Is that right, Paul? Yeah, and, and I've actually done it before. In trying to, you know, when, you, when, you, when you're doing a sequence or any kind of a calling setup, and I, usually I'm in a setup when I'm doing that, you know, there, there's, a, there's, a, there's a reason why you do those things. You're trying to attract them. You're trying to convince them that the setting you that, that that you're sharing with them is something natural. It's something realistic. It's believable. These are elk over here, and so you're trying to use sound to convince other elk that you either know are there or you feel are there because of the sign. And by going through this natural sequence that they themselves would use, that's how we attract so many animals. Just to walk out there and get some cow calls. You know, that's one thing, and, if, and if, if all the stars lined up, yeah, you could have elk coming in, but so many times nothing happens, and so you got to get creative and try to be realistic with it. And that's where it comes, you know, comes into hand that the, the, the more you understand elk behavior and elk sounds and when they use certain things, certain sounds especially, as a group, man, you really start making a difference out there as far as attracting animals to your position. There's a big difference between just making a few elk sounds out there, a few cow sounds, as opposed to ones that could require attention or aid or something like mm-hmm. this from other elk. You know, you, you just have this atmosphere that you're presenting that if you heard it out there from real elk, it attracts you. And, 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 and a lot of times that, that is what you're trying to present. How good a salesman are we when we're out there? And it all has to do with the sounds, not a sound. But a, a combination, cow, calf, couple of cows, contact buzz, I mean, this is what cows really do. They don't just stand out there and make a social call for no reason. I mean, usually there's more to it than that. And so putting yourself in, 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 in their position and in their heads, in their minds of how they really relate and react and communicate, that's what makes the big difference out there, right there. Not just making good elk sounds. That's that's just a you know a small part of it. Right, right, right. Awesome. Well, kind of going off that, Paul. Something that uh, we're kind of wanting to talk about today is you know the difference between the solo hunter and hunting in a group. Uh, I know that a lot of times you hunt with Paul Junior and. Uh, you guys are both calling, which can make the you know the setup really realistic because you're calling cow t- calling ten feet away from each other, and you know you're acting as uh, 
you know, a little herd of elk or, or you're doing different strategies. Uh, but you can't quite do those same things when you're, you're hunting by yourself. And so that's kind of what we wanted to go into. What's the difference between, you know, what's your different strategies, uh, when you are solo hunting and, uh, what's some good steps and tips that we have for the, you know, those people. And so I guess my question is, when does your, I guess, strategy begin to change uh, when you are solo hunting uh, from when you're uh, hunting with a partner? And so when does it, is it when you get on a bull, is that when it finally changes, or is your strategy of finding the bulls different? Uh, when does that change when you're solo hunting? Nothing changes. I play both roles. That's it. <laughs> Absolutely. I don't I don't do that. I play both roles if I have to or three roles. Oh, absolutely. I mean that's you know that's what a, a hunter does and and that's you know one of the things I've talked about for even quite some time and including the app. I try to help people appreciate that whether I'm solo hunting or whether I'm tag teaming it with my son or even if there's a third person is nothing changes. You still are using the same sound sequence. You really are. I mean, I'm not doing anything different there. So the difference is when you're when when, when there's two of you is even as the shooter, the shooter in most cases, not every case, because you know I have a lot of different strategies, but in right. most cases the shooter makes no sound. That's the majority. Ninety percent of our hunting, the shooter makes zero noise, nothing. It's all up to the caller. So I'm the one representing. All the different sounds I feel are necessary for that call-in, okay? Some bulls, all you have to do is bugle them. That's it. You find out their mindset, you listen to them, and all I'm doing is working them with the bull sounds. When I say bugling, I'm, I'm referring to bull sounds. That's all I'm working them with. Some bulls, I have to work them up, work them up, work them up. And so I have to, I have to inject a few cow sounds. But it's not just cow calling. Right. And, and, and what changes it? The bull. The bull is letting me know what I have to do by listening to him. And in most cases, if he's saying nothing, I have to get very creative with both sounds to represent such as a slow play. So when I'm representing a slow play, who's doing all those sounds? Me. Nobody else. It's just me. So, see, even though there's a shooter out there in front of me 30 yards or whatever the distance may be, I'm doing them all. So if I'm a solo hunter, who's still doing those sounds? me i'm still the one doing them that's it i'm just moving you see when 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 i feel the bull and this is what what elk hunting is all about there is no concrete things to grasp you know grasp your hands onto and and, and grip and say this is the way it's going to happen every time it doesn't and so what as a as a caller just think that i'm calling for you and i'm calling and and, and i heard a bull and now we're talking about, you know, difficult situations. When the bull's bugling back and forth, oh, my gosh, that's a no-brainer. It's really easy to read them, to communicate, to know when to cut him off, to know when to take charge, take hold of the situation, and I'll make him answer me. You see, but if he started the bugling, or I bugled first and he answered, and now he's the one keeping it up, I'm eventually going to turn the tables on him. But it's still one person doing it, whether I'm by myself or there's a shooter. The only difference is I, when I feel that he's moving in, 
by either sound of him walking, antlers hitting brush, tree limbs, or a hip vocally coming. I can tell the distance is being cut. Now I am going to move up where the shooter should be. I no longer am calling from where my present location was. I am now moving toward this animal, and I'm calling no more. I get to that new position of that 30 yards or whatever it may be, and I don't really like going any further than I could kill an animal from where I last called. And the reason being is so many times a bull will shut up and sneak around. He may not come in downwind, but he may come in from the right or the left, and he'll go to that, he'll head for that spot where he last heard me. So I don't like being out of bow range from my new setup to where I last mm-hmm. called. Oh, yeah, I've had him come right there. Like, And if you get too far, it's like, crud, I'm too far. <laughs> yeah, so you have to think of these things. And that so, makes sense. Well, see, you know, so that's how I play it. I make sure I don't go any more than that. And sometimes I'm going to go right or left. It's not always straight at where I heard the last sound from the bull. So, see, when I'm repositioning there, it's, it's because I really feel he's coming. I'm not re- really repositioning anything because you have to remember, when I'm setting up, I feel I'm within – it depends on the bull again, but I'm trying to get in that 150-yard mark or so, something of that nature. So if that bull were to come 30 or 40 yards and I move 30 or 40, I mean, he's only 60, 70 yards, and he's going to catch me moving. So I got to move before he gets to that point. And, and I'm hoping he says something or I can hear him walking or there's enough cover or undulation in the ground. He's below you know, a bench. Or something that if I don't think I can move, I do not move. I will finish calling him all the way in. It's just my work got a little more difficult. I'm going to have to be more believable, more persistent when I do make my sounds. So if I can at all move, I'm going to do it. You better believe it. So I'm just, all I'm really doing is trading positions from caller to shooter. But my sequence, my my, uh, selection of sounds, it doesn't change anything. And, And not only that. If people just understand realizing when you're hunting, especially cover, dark timber, and I always try to make that the case no matter where I'm hunting, even if it's sagebrush, I wait for them to get in the cover. And once I do that, in most cases, the bull generally comes between the shooter and the collar. He, you think, oh, he's going to come by the shooter almost every time, but he doesn't. In most cases, he's, he's coming around, and he's not really trying to win this so much. It's just it's the setup. It's 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 a, it's what the terrain is like. A lot of times they don't allow the terrain doesn't allow them to come straight. So they're coming at you know so they don't have to crawl over a bunch of downfall or a bunch of debris or some sort of obstruction. But you cannot believe, and I would say eighty percent of the elk that we call in and take that bull ends up between the shooter and the caller. I mean, I could have shot I don't know how many, and so could my son. But usually, you know, you're leaving that for the shooter. So. I think people get the wrong idea a lot of times that when they say shoot or collar, they're thinking that the bull's 80 yards from the collar all the time or out of distance, whatever that range may be. But it's really not true. They come in real close. And so there's, there's cases when I've taken elk. I haven't moved an inch because why? I didn't know where he was. He didn't give me any sign of walking or hitting brush or clicking his hoof or, or bugled or anything. And so when I don't know where they're at, I do not move. I stay right there. I only move when I'm positive that I, by his sound or, or his movement that, oh, he's over here. I can see the brush moving. I've seen the top of willows moving where, where they're coming through them and they're just starting to sway out of nowhere when they weren't nothing moving before. So I know where he's starting to, you know, where his, 
where his direction is coming. Now I can move if I have to. Maybe he's coming like, oh, crud, the wind's going to come. If he goes 30 more yards, he's going to catch my wind right there. So now I'm redirecting. So I'm putting that, you know, that wind favor in my, in my favor, so to speak, the wind direction in my favor. And he doesn't know that I'm moving because he's in the wind. He can't see anything. So when I have that option, that's what I'm doing. But in most cases, my setup is one where I force him to come, you know, where I don't really have to move. But there are times I do have to move or I move because I want to because I hear him still 100 yards off. And I know I can, you know, I can close that distance and he's just going to keep coming in search mode. I know that's kind of a long explanation, but there's a lot of little tidbits in there that there's nothing just written in stone that says you do this every time. No. (laughs) I mean, you're listening to everything happening out there. And and my sounds are real important to me because when I, when I'm making an elk sound, I'm I'm communicating. I'm talking to that bull. I am not just throwing elk sounds out there, you know, flipping a coin and not having an idea what they mean. I'm just sounding like an elk. No, when I'm calling, I, I I'm actually sending that message. And when I hear him, I know what message I have to send. And so it, it, again, we're talking about bulls that it's like pulling teeth to get a sound out of them. It's, right. it's not the ones that are calling all the time. Those are the easy ones. I mean, they're, they're a piece of cake when they communicate back, you know, on a regular basis because you not only know where they're at, but you know what they're saying. You know their mindset. And so you're playing off of that. No, that makes sense. So, you know, as you're being the – I guess in this situation is – I mean, you're the caller, the shooter, everything. Uh, when you're cow talking, you know – in some of your scenarios, you talked about it already as a solo hunter that you're calling and then you, you'll move 30 feet up if you hear that bull coming and you feel like you have time to move to where that shooter should be. Uh, when you're calling in that spot and you know you can't move, are you sending your cow calls in different directions? What are you? I mean, are you going through your bugle cow talking or uh, are you just cow talking straightforward? It's possible that's what I'm doing. Again, I'm feeling the bull out, and I'm listening okay. to what he wants. So to say, do I cast my sounds left, right, behind? Oh, absolutely, 100%. Um, so, you know, that's, that's my strategy right there. Is, is, and, and the reason I'm doing that and more, you know, is to, direct, is to direct the bull where I need him to come. I'm not just casting him because I think I'm being tricky. No, I'm trying to get him to go a certain way or make him think I'm further away than I am. You know, again, I think people, they, they overthink these things. I really do. You'll hear people, uh, uh, hunters talk that I, 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 I do a lot of cow calling through my bugle. I do it a lot because it really makes a difference. Well, you know what? I'd like to know what that difference is. I've cow called <laughs> through my bugle a hundred times. I mean, I have. When I'm cow calling through a bugle or not, have I seen... A, a variance. Have I seen, oh my goodness, I got to start doing this more or doing this less? No. As a matter of fact, I have never called a bull in. Out of over a thousand bulls my son and I have called, we have never call, called a bull in where we could honestly say it was because we cow called through our bugle. Not a one. Out of a thousand bulls, I mean, well over that, it's the cow call coming out of our mouth. I think people overthinking, thinking that you have to be fancy, you have to have a performance. You don't. All you have to do is be realistic in your sounds. And the cow calls you're using are the ones that fit. It's the message you're sending. How many cows out there are cow calling through a bugle? They're not. And they still, you know, when you hear a cow call, does it sound any different than this? 
That's what it sounds like. Okay, here's a cow call through a bugle. You you can you can just hear the the nasally tony echoey more than anything. And yeah, I'm not saying can. it doesn't work or they don't answer. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is, do you have to do that to call an elk? That's what I'm saying. No, right. absolutely, hundred percent no. With with all the bulls we've taken in the elk nut guys, and I can promise you, nobody's called any. And we talk about all this stuff. Who wouldn't? We're elk nuts. All of us are. Right. And I don't believe one of them in all our conversations has ever called one through a bugle that they said that made the difference. Heck no. And that was <laughs> part of your question. But is it kind of fun and different and, 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 and maybe even a sales pitch at times to guys? I can be anything you want. But I, <laughs> but I can tell you, in all honesty, you don't need the bugle to call in elk. But if I'm going to use cow sounds, like you say, mixing it up and moving – I'm communicating with them. I am saying something with that cow call, and I know what I'm saying, but each bull's different. You see, a contact buzz ask another elk, bull, cow, whatever, group of elk, to come your way. That's what it's telling them in most cases, To and, 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 and the more aggressive you are with it or urgent, it can mean quicker action is required now, maybe danger. Or maybe you're just trying to call some elk that you hear over there or you see and you're trying to bring them over. So you're, the tone of your voice is the same as if you were being urgent with a family member or a friend or non-urgent. It's no different. And so when I'm talking to them, I'm listening for their reaction. You see, on, on, on elk, what am, what's my feedback? What do I need to do next? Do I need to raise my voice? Do I know I don't need to? Everything's working. They're coming. You see, so just to say, am I making some elk sounds out there? No, I'm, I'm doing everything I can to call to that particular one and have a conversation with them. Like people, every bull or cow is not the same. There's things that interest them differently. And so you play on that. No, right. That that makes sense. I mean, I do that as a solo hunter, too. And that's what okay. I'm, this whole thing is about that you're referring to. Right. So if I'm ta- if I'm solo, whether I'm tag team guys, it doesn't change. I want to know people that if you know what happens is you get guys out there that are solo. OK, and that's all they've ever hunted. Hardly ever with anybody. And in most cases, because they don't get along with people and they want to do everything their way. Well, that's what happens. It's if you do this, it's like, I would never do that. And if they do this, I would never do it that way. It doesn't mean either one are right or wrong, but that's just how people are. And so because they're doing that, does it mean that they're doing something different than what it would be if there was a tag team? They don't even know. They, they haven't given it enough time. They haven't had hundreds of dealings with bulls with, with, with more than one person. I have. I've had everything in the world, you know, in 40 years of, of by yourself, with two, with three, with, the, and with guys that know nothing, with guys that know everything. And you start seeing what happens. and You know why things unravel. But the point is, is that is the sounds that I'm using any different as a solo hunter, as a tag team hunter. No, it's identical. There is, if you is, I mean, what do you got, a magic wand out there? There's nothing. <laughs> you're still talking to the elk, and you're trying to get them to close the distance when calling is needed to come to you. Now, right. if a bull's vocal enough as a solo hunter or a tag team hunter, well, then we're just going to head at him and not say anything. We don't need to. I mean, he's talking so much. We'll just slip in. And, and never the two of us. It's always the, the caller will stay back in case he reads something going away that he may be able to help the situation. But usually right. it's just a shooter going in. So even though there's two of you out there a lot of times, 
many times, I'll be honest with you, it turns solo. That guy's going in by himself. I mean, you, there's no need for calling at that point. You know, and so, and, 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 and so the guy well, up front. Two people's too loud, and so you just send the Yeah, that in. doesn't matter, though. We really don't care about that, you know. Okay. Unless somebody is just a really a klutz out there. I mean, you know, <laughs> I mean, seriously. But elk sounds, I mean, as far as hitting debris and this and that and, and stuff, it's okay. But if you're trying to sneak in on a bull, let's say a bull's bugling. And, and and you're trying to slip in on this bull as a as a as and there's a tag team person. It doesn't matter if you're solo or tag team. And you're slipping in on him, and you're 80 yards away. You're 75 yards, and you hear him, and you're trying to be really quiet. And you can hear this bull bugling, and he's bugling by himself. So we know what he's doing. He's advertising himself. He's trying to 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 contact any other cows, especially. He couldn't care less about drawing a bull in, but he's trying to draw cows in. So let's say you're moving in, you're 70, 75, and you know you're being fairly quiet, but every once in a while you're hitting something because, you know, you're not letting them know you're there. You're not saying I'm a cow coming to you or I'm a bull coming or, or, or a little group of elk. You're not saying anything. Right. But then all of a sudden his bugles turn to a growl. You've been busted. <laughs> he knows you're there. He doesn't know what you are, though, but he heard you. You see, and these right. are these are these are sounds that that people need to understand. Yeah, the nervous grunt is one thing when you hear this sound here. <laughs> you know, you hear that sound, and that's a nervous reaction. But a lot of times, you won't hear that. Instead of that, because you haven't been calling to draw the bull to your position, so he's not. It's not like he's nervous, and 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 he's looking for you. But a lot of times, if a bull hears something and he's not sure what it is, you'll hear him kind of go. That's all he'll do. And yet he was bugling full bugles before that for 30 minutes. And you're slipping in and all of a sudden you hear him do that. Or something close to that. Something in that realm. No bugle. As you could tell, that was not a bugle. It was just more of a bull sound. This shows he knows there's something there. And he doesn't know what it is. He hears it. Maybe he saw a flash of something. You see, but he wasn't afraid of it. But he's asking what it is. Maybe it's another bull sneaking in and he's growling at it. The point is, is you've been had. So now you have to give, as a solo hunter or whatever, you have to give a response back. Because what if it's a wolf or a bear or a mountain lion? How do they respond back to that? They don't. They don't know what the heck that bull just said. They have no idea. So the point is, as a right. hunter, we need to know those little things, and especially when we're by ourselves out there and we're listening for that. And it's like, oh, heck, damn, he knows I'm here. He knows something's here. So I have to give him a satisfying response back. And that's where it's up to the hunter right there to calm the situation down. And in most cases, that's where I like to cow call. And then I really do start breaking things, and I get a little more noisy than I was previous to getting to you know to right. that spot. Oh yeah, I'm rustling brush, I'm snapping things, and yeah, and just letting him know calms him right down. He wanted to know what that was, but if you shock him and you get that nervous reaction, that's where you get the nervous grunt. You know, it's more of like shock gobbling a turkey. I just you know, I mean, out of nowhere. <laughs> oh yeah, and so this is what happens to the bull. You know, when you hit the hit, hear the nervous grunt, but when he hears something, he may not even give that growl at first. It's like he hurts up, and then you're and you're still trying to slip through the cornflakes. You know, and you're pop, pop, and you're moving maybe ten more feet with no sound at all. And he's listening; he's tuned that something's. I hear something. Is it a squirrel chattering over there, walking around? You know, he doesn't know. Think of it like yourself. You're hunting, and you're sitting over water or something. And you think you hear something pop. Boy, you're all alert. You're waiting. You know, you're getting the anticipation. Oh, yeah. 
and then nothing. And then all of a sudden you hear it again. You see, in a, in a bull's world or in an elk's world, he wants to know what it is. That's when he's kind of given that. He wants to know what you are over there. He's not afraid of you, but he's unsure what that is. And you'll hear him do that. So the point is, as a solo hunter or whatnot, and you're slipping in, even if there's two, and now you are a solo, the, the caller, if he's 200 yards back, you probably didn't even hear that bull do that. He's real low with it. It's a very low sound. Again, right. like we talked last time, you, 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 when you're having a conversation or you're saying something to something that you feel is a certain distance, you don't yell because you know that thing you're talking to is just right there. So your voice is lowered for communication right there. You see, but if the distance gets greater, you raise your voice. So whoever you're talking to or whatever, you raise it so they can hear you. And this is what's going on in in these closer proximities. You'll hear them make real short, small, subtle sounds sometimes. And, And it's for those reasons. And those little things right there have cost elk their lives because we knew exactly what they said, what was happening. We knew we had to respond back. There's been years go by, a long time ago, we heard similar sounds when we started slipping in, and we just thought, oh, the elk is just right there. Next thing you know, never saw him again. Oh, yeah, because he never got a satisfactory response, and I didn't understand what was happening. So now I do, and now we don't let these things slip away anymore. So for individuals you know, now and in the future that, that, that hear this, man, listen for these things because – it's a it's it's a punch a tag or watch them walk out of your life. You have nothing, but once you start communicating with them right there softly, I would not bugle in that situation. We're talking about something that was slipping in. I, the, if you just bugle in his face, the odds are are, are probably strongly against you because I don't think I haven't tried it. You do, you know, early years you just kind of bugle everything, and there's just times when it's just not the best because we're talking about a bull that wasn't being responded to. He so we knew he was advertising himself looking for cows. He wasn't looking for a fight. He wasn't being answered by three or four other bulls. We knew there was no hot cow. So again. So if somebody's listening and goes, well, I bugled the bull and he come running in. Well, that's probably because that wasn't the situation where he was just bugling on his own, nothing responding. So if you get in that situation right. and you have multiple bulls bugling and it's obviously there's a hot cow and you screamed at him there, you better believe it. That's a great time to do it. But it's not so great when that's so, not the situation. So when you hear that, uh, I guess that adver- that bull advertising himself, is that your first approach when you – there's nothing else going on, and that's to sneak in on them. Yes, solo. That's the Absolutely. first approach, or or tag team. Either way, it doesn't <laughs> change. It's the same thing. Right. It's the same thing, and you can't believe how many times I've set my son in. You know, and I said, "You're going in on this one." And the next thing you know, I'm waiting. I've I've waited almost two hours oh, at yeah. one time, and not knowing what's going on. Oh yeah, I can that's hear probably killer. It, it you that have kill no me. idea. It was like I wish we had radios in each ear and we could talk the whole time and and he's telling me and but I've been in the situation so I know when it goes into that 1 to 2 hour it's like you move 2 feet and you are scanning every cuz it's like I said before remember in other podcasts you can be 500 yards apart from the real bull and you could run to 400 it's that last 100 yards that's the deal breaker that right there that last 100 yards is when you don't want them to know you're there and you're just pop pop tiptoeing tiptoeing trying to make sure you're looking at the ground making sure nothing you step on is going to make a sound nothing right. 
and you're hopping sometimes and trying to get to this, you know, rock or nothing that's going to make. You ever see those little red leaves out there that are dry as crispy critters? You step on that thing, man, it gives you away so fast. You're you're trying to, you know, move around left, right, anything to get and close that distance to that bull. And so many times I can remember sending my son in. And then all of a sudden, I just hear a bugle rip off, just scream. And in almost every situation, he killed the bull because he got so close that once the bull made a sound instead of cow calling his way, you know, and, and I'm sure the situation leaned that way. That's what it was. It wasn't just him uh, making, you know, giving some bugles as a location bugle or advertising himself in that area. It was whatever. But I can remember so many times him bugling and having that bull flying in the cover of the book of the playbook. Where, where Clayton shot that bull, I was on the opposite side of a mountain bugling this bull over a half a mile away, keeping him vocal. <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, I don't even know how long it went, how, how much time went by, but well over two hours. And I'm on one side of this draw, and they, they went on down, and I kept the bull vocal. I just kept bugling and bugling and bugling until they finally got up on him. I mean, this was so long. They ended up getting roughly 45 yards away. Couldn't see the bull, but he kept bugling me. They didn't know. That bull did not know those two guys were there. They kept slipping in, and Clayton was shooting a recurve. And he kept, you know, responding to me, giving away his position, and they were able to slip up in there. Nice. And and right at 45 yards, there's a cow standing there. They never saw it. They got tunnel vision is what happened. They were so <laughs> focused on that bull, and there was a cow standing there, and she took off and ran. And when she did, there was two more, and they all ran to the right. The bull was straight ahead. And... Paul just screamed a bugle at that point, and there was no other bulls answering that bull, but he had cows. See, this is a game changer, and he just shoved Clayton up. I mean, it was just yards in front of him. I mean, it happened so fast, and Paul screamed a bugle, and the bull come running in, and as he came running in, I mean, it happened fast. He saw Clayton move, but the only thing that Paul could think of is when he saw the bull saw Clayton move, he come running in. I mean, this bull was only at 25 yards, just full throttle. And when he saw the movement, I don't think he identified what he was. He just saw it and knew it was something not elk and turned around to run. And Paul screamed two more bugles fast as he could. The bull stopped, turned, and gave him a second look at around 28 yards to 30. And Clayton shot that bull right there. It happened so fast. Man, that is awesome. Oh, you just never know. You know, when you're in the elk woods, it's not like, well, we just call him. The other guy moves and he sneaks in and he sticks an arrow in him. Yeah, it's not yeah. like that. Things happen, and Paul acted so fast to make that happen, or it would have just been a lost cause right there. But anyway. Uh, we've all been in that know. tunnel vision and been spooked <laughs> yeah, by have, cows. Yeah. <laughs> but you see what I mean? In oh, that, yeah. You know, Clayton, if, if, if that would have been Paul with the recurve right there, it was him shooting, Paul would have been the one bugling. He would have still killed that bull. Paul's actually done that with a recurve. I mean, been in that situation, and he's the lone hunter now. But Clayton, he'd never killed an elk before with a bow. Nothing. So, I mean, this was kind of a new thing, you know, and he was more like, oh, my God. It all happened so fast. Awesome. And and, and, and there's no way he was going to be able. He'd never been in this situation. He never heard podcasts like this before. So, you know, hopefully it's, it's podcasts like this that will help the newer hunter or the solo hunter on on ideas and thoughts and sounds that maybe right. they never even thought of or, or were aware of. So you got to be prepared mentally when you're out there because sometimes things don't just, you know, happen or develop slowly. They happen in a blink of an eye and you better know what to do or you're going to lose it. It's It's gone. You know, they're there one second and gone the next and it's over.
Right. Well, awesome, Paul. Well, we're we're running short on time. I actually have one more question. Then we we'll just get started. The... I know <laughs> it goes so quick. I but know. my question, uh, you know, this actually goes back to the first scenario where the advertising. That bull's advertising himself, and you sneak in, and then he growls. You mentioned uh, that you cow talk immediately there. Uh, when you cow talk, are you standing in one place, breaking branches, or are you going at that bull? I guess you went in a lot of detail on, uh, you know, the Paul with when the bull was bugling and had cows, how he bugled back, and you know why he did that. When you're cow talking in this situation. Uh, I guess what's your approach there more in depth? Well, usually when you cow call and do something, the bull will respond to it. it it's almost every time, you know, and of course I say that and the next time you're in that situation, do it, he doesn't say anything. But in most cases, the, he's either starts walking because you're right there. You know, this isn't hundreds of yards apart. Right. It, it, it's whatever the distance you two were before he finally heard you. You know, and usually bulls don't hear much at 150 or 125 or, or get nervous about it. They don't care. But once you start getting like, you know, right at their doorstep, that is when it becomes a little more personal with them. And, and, and that's when they'll, they'll usually react with some sort of sound. And if it's a nervous grunt, it's like I've said before, you're, you know, there's different things you can do. But for me, number one is to cow call and go right at them right now. The growl, you don't have to be that urgent because he's okay. not that nervous over the situation. So, but when I cow call, oh yeah, you bet I'm rattling the brush. I'm being realistic, just like a cow moving and I'm going toward him. But if I know he's coming, because I can hear him, if I know he's coming or he gives me a chuckle or something to try to bring me up to the group, and that's usually what he's doing. The, when, when you respond like that, he's now trying to bring you on up. So he doesn't just shut up. He now will either go to a chuckle or he'll give you a short little roundup bugle, you know, and, and a roundup right. bugle is really short, kind of a, that's about all he does. There's no big notes to it. He just gives you a short one and, he, and and it may even be much lower volume than that. But the point is, he's just giving you the direction where he is. And so you want, you know, you want to act on that. You don't want to just stand right there and, cal, and, and keep cow calling and hang up. No, you want to do what he's, what he's, what he's asking you. And sometimes you can't go right at him. The wind might not be right or the cover might not be right. So you start swinging around all the way to the right trying to get the same elevation or to the left. Whatever, you know, the Whatever wind is going to allow you in the – Yeah, you have to use some common sense. Cows, right. when, when, they, when they accept the invite, doesn't mean they're just trampling the bull over. I mean they just start making their way up there, and he can tell by the sounds he's hearing. But many times I've watched that bull expose himself. Oh, yeah, he just comes right up, and there he is right there. And, and I mean, a lot of times, this isn't unusual. He'll, he'll start, you know, it's like you've calmed him down, and now he's going to come in and he wants to hook this cow up. And this has, again, it's non-confrontational. No bull has entered the equation anywhere other than himself. So you have to think about all this stuff. It's not like, oh, he's going to be nervous. He's thinking that there's going to be a fight. and he's No, it's not like that at all. So whether, again, whether you're solo or with somebody else and, and, and you're moving up, because we take a lot of elk where, where, where one of us becomes solo. Then, you know, right. that's it. Yeah. And, and, yeah, maybe you're, you started in the woods at two, but now it's only one. So, <laughs> again, yeah, don't, yeah, everybody thinks it's like you, it's a setup and a calling, and that's all, you know, kind of a, a detailed thing. <laughs> it's nothing. It's not. No, and when you're solo, you play both roles. That's really the bottom line is all you're really doing. 
So it just takes a little bit more skill, and you just got to play both roles. And be I don't even think it quicker. takes any more skill. <laughs> you know, when if something happens great, you look like a hero. If it doesn't, and you're by your, yourself, you have nobody to blame but yourself. And it's it's like anything. You know, the more encounters you can get into, and you 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 learn from your mistakes. Who doesn't? We should. We're talking about elk hunting here. So right. so you're trying to realize that you you start avoiding the things where you see good things aren't 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 the result. So you start shying away from them. But it can't just be a one time thing. Right. You know, it, it it it's like when a guy says he's he's raked a bunch of trees and the elk ran and never do it again. No. Something else came into play there. There's no doubt in my mind. He saw you, he smelled, or he saw something else, and there was something that happened there that yes. that you're not willing to admit is really what it boils down to. Well, and I, I guess that's where it's worth trying things multiple times instead of once because, you know, like raking a tree that's really effective tool just one time at not working and quit doing it because of that doesn't make much sense. Well, know? and people have to understand why bulls rake. And, you know, maybe next podcast, let's talk about that. It, okay. Let's keep that in mind okay. and that bulls rake for a lot of reasons, a lot. And and a lot of times people think that raking is more of just a challenging, you know, displaying situation, but there's a lot more to it. You know, there there really is. And, okay. and, and when you understand the different reasons and why or the intensity of the raking, it, it'll help uh, hunters out a lot. Awesome. Looking forward to it, Paul. Uh, well, let's let's finish this up and let's get this question. Uh, I don't know if we lost Taylor <laughs> or if I've just been talking the whole time. So. Oh, is he gone? Uh, I'm still here. I've just, <laughs> just been listening. A fly on the wall. Uh. <laughs> I have, I have had my phone muted a couple of times because um, it's gotten kind of loud outside. Oh, um, we and there was up. one, there was one point where Ryan's father-in-law drove by and showed me his new uh, bear bait barrel. <laughs> you should have shared that with us. <laughs> I should have. It, it was pretty cool. It's got it kind of machine worked and a little oh. hole to grab some food out of. And anyways, yeah, Ryan will Ryan will see more of that when he. He, he talks tried to him but... during the podcast, so. <laughs> <laughs> so, well, Paul, uh, if you have the question for us, make it easy because I'm going to have to be the one that answers it. <laughs> so they're all easy. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, this one's really a simple one, um, but you know, it's not just simple. It's it's again, it's understanding the 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 elk language, and 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 it's simple for those people who already know the answer. It's not so simple. If you've heard it and are unaware of what was going on, but let's ask let's ask this question here. Okay, we know that bulls make a panting sound. They'll make a sound that's like this. You know, it's something similar to that. Why do they do it? What is the purpose behind it? And they do do it for a reason. They don't just do it to exercise their lungs. So if you ever hear it or you're ever going to inject it in a calling sequence yourself, know exactly what's happening when you hear that sound. So why do bulls pant? Okay. Awesome. Great question. And uh, we'll be ready to answer it next week, next next podcast. Sounds good. We'll get Um, Taylor uh, away from that bear bait thing and get him a little little more engaged. Yeah, no worries, guys. It's a great podcast tonight. I learned a lot. Oh, well, good. Yeah, and, and Ryan and I had a good time. <laughs> yeah, 
I I can talk elk all night. So. Yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, until next time. Thanks, Paul. Hey, sounds good. Thanks again, folks.